Welcome to... Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. Have a bonus Friday podcast for all of you Great Shot Podcast listeners and also a sneak peek at the sort of content you can get if you become a Crack Rackets Patreon subscriber now. You hear me say it on every podcast we do here at Crack Rackets, but our Patreon family, they're so much the lifeblood of everything we attempt here at Cracked Rackets to have a community we know will support us through our craziest ideas to have a community we can engage with to discuss the many fascinating and just ridiculous storylines that emerge day in, day out within the tennis world. It's why we do what we do here at Cracked Rackets to try and engage everyone within the tennis community to try and create new connections and create new bonds because we promise if one of if you're a fan of something, there's another tennis fan out there who feels similarly to how you do and for us to be able to connect fans and again grow the tennis family we have here at Cracked Rackets. It means the world to us and so of course that's part of what we want to do with our Patreon uh, subscription. The other thing we want to do, provide you with bonus content, provide you with the sort of content you deserve to help accentuate all the finer features, finest features I should say, of being a tennis fan. One of the things we do, a match of the day segment on Mondays and Fridays where I talk about the match I am watching most closely on those two days in the tennis world, and that's the greatest gift of being a tennis fan, right? On any day of the week, Sunday through Saturday, there's going to be some sort of match. It may not always be an ATP or WTA level final, but it could be a challenger. It could be a future circuit event. It could be a college tennis match. Even the Easter Bowl or Kalamazoo, that gets exciting for the diehard tennis fans out there with so much to digest on any given day. What we try to do with these match of the day segments, help you narrow your focus, talk about something in spe- uh, specific, talk about something in particular you may want to key in on. Of course, on today's match of the day segment, an added bonus, we're covering the match I'm going to talk about here on today's podcast on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. I am referring to the fantastic UCLA-USC battle for Los Angeles women's tennis match we have scheduled to start 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. Again, we are going to be broadcasting that match on our YouTube channel, so you don't even have to go to the team pages. You can just go to youtube.com search Cracked Rackets. You'll find our broadcast feed there. Was supposed to be a doubleheader for both the men's and the women's matches. Both were scheduled to play Friday. The men's match canceled. I have some of the details of why that was, or why that was, but until I have the full picture, don't want to speculate at all here on the podcast, so apologize for that tease, but just going to be the USC-UCLA women's match, of course. That's still a match all of us can get excited about because throughout college tennis history, generally a USC-UCLA result is pretty significant nationally. It's Sometimes it's a conference championship. Sometimes it's a national championship. It always means something. And, of course, college tennis, one of those rare opportunities for tennis to be played at a team sport, as a team sport. And, of course, in all college athletics, rivalries are going to exist. The most notable, I'll just say it, of course, I'm biased, but Michigan-Ohio State, those football games always get heated. But that rivalry transcends 
not just football, but anytime the two schools match up in some sort of athletic competition, of course, that applies to other rivalries as well. Maybe you think Duke UNC, maybe you think Florida Tennessee, Florida Georgia, Florida Florida State. Of course, if you're out west, you think USC UCLA. So we've got a special match on our hands. UCLA, not just a Pac-12 championship contender. I think they already clinched the regular season title, but they're a team that has legitimate national championship aspirations for USC. They're a team that's had a lot of injuries this year. They're always in the mix. They're going to be in the NCAA tournament, and that's never a team. You never want to see the Trojans round one, round two, so they are going to be dangerous. Of course, it's the second matchup between the two schools this season as well. It's always tricky to beat a team multiple times within the same season, so I want to get into all of the details of that match, give you all a sneak peek of what a match of the day segment looks like. Of course, since this is a Great Shot podcast, I have to remind all of you that the reason we're able to do this here on the Great Shot podcast day in, day out, not just because of our Patreon family, but because of all of the support, of course, we get from you listeners, and then the support we get from our friends at Turner Grip. You guys know, Turner Grip's performance in hot and humid conditions is it's unmatched. You know the color, that bluish-purple hue, but you probably didn't know that it's trademark, and that iconic blue color can be seen on the rackets of hundreds of touring pros. If you would like to join the Turner Griff family, contact them at sales at uniquesports.com or call 800-554-3707. You let them know Cracked Rackets sent you. They'll hook you up with some free samples, and they'll treat you like family, which I suppose is the theme of this episode at this point, but to join the Turner Griff family, Sales at uniquesports.com or call 800-554-3707. With that in mind, let's get into Friday's match of the day. And of course, the match of the day, as mentioned, is the USC-UCLA thriller, which starts 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time on. You can find it on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. Follow along with us. Super excited to have Nina Pantich here uh, uh, with me on the call on the broadcast. Uh, Nina Pantage, a former UCLA player, obviously former uh, head honcho over at Baseline.Tennis.com. And, you know, she's actually got a new job, which I don't think I can tell you about. I think she's gonna really excited to introduce it to all of you on the broadcast. We're going to be breaking some news mid-broadcast. That's always fun as well. But beyond anything else, why should you tune in? Because we've really got a really fun tennis match on our hands, a perfect way to kick off your evening and your weekend of tennis viewing. Let's start with the UCLA Bruins, who enter the match as the number eight team in the country. They're going to rise, though, next week. As earlier this week, they defeated Pepperdine in fairly convincing fashion, knocking off the waves 5-2. You look for them now. They're 16-3 and overall in the season. Haven't lost a match since early in March when they lost 4-3 at Pepperdine. So not only have they not lost since the beginning, in over a month, I should say, but they've avenged the one loss they had. You look for them throughout the season. It was a pretty successful national indoor campaign. They lose 4-2 in the semifinals to Texas, but they get wins over a shorthanded Oklahoma State but then and a shorthanded Pepperdine, I suppose, at the time. But they've since beaten Pepperdine again. They, you know, uh, had a 4-3 loss at Cal that they have since avenged. 7-0 victory for them just last weekend. And when they played Cal the first time, they were without their now number three. 
three singles player, but someone who has played as high as number one in their lineup in Alicia Bolton. And of course, you know, UCLA has got plenty of depth, but when you take someone like Bolton out of the lineup, especially against a top 20 team like Cal on the road, that's always going to be a tough match. But look, UCLA, they're hitting their stride now. I talked about that 16 and three number. You want to look more granular than that. Uh, You know, they have over 90% or I should say over 80% win percentages at three of their six singles flights. It starts at the number two position where they're 16 and one. The most wins at that flight is fifth year senior Jada Hart. She's been an All-American in singles. She's been an All-American in doubles. Hitting her stride here in this bonus year. She's eight and one at the number two singles position. She stepped up and played number one when she's had to won a match there. She started the year at number two, but has settled uh, at number three, excuse me, but has settled in to that number two position so comfortably. Of course, Alicia Bolton's played number two as well. She's 4-0 in that flight. Abby Forbes started the year at the number two position. She's 1-0 at that flight there. You know, between Forbes, Bolton, Hart, who have all been All-Americans already in there for Forbes, you know, she's only her second year for Bolton. I think she's a third year, uh, but they've already proven they're some of the best players in college tennis, and that's where it starts for the Bruins in the top three. You look for them, their next best flight. They're 16-2 and two at the number one singles position, and that's really led by a 15-1 and one performance from sophomore, still freshman technically, but second-year freshman, I suppose, Abby Forbes, who entered college as one of the best players in the nation. She was one of the top juniors, not just nationally, but in the world. And, you know, that success has translated here early in her college tennis career. And, you know, it's a luxury for us college tennis fans to get to enjoy her. You talk about for Forbes, who I guess is still considered a sophomore. She was an All-American last year prior to UCLA. I mentioned it. She was, uh, I believe, a, a girls 18s, USTA Nationals 18s champion. I think she won the San Diego event, so got the wild card into the U.S. Open main draw. She won a doubles title at Junior Wimbledon. She was a, you know, uh, multiple appearances at Junior U.S. Open, played all of the Junior Slams, et cetera, et cetera. She had the pedigree entering college, and she's lived up to the hype. She's now, I believe, uh, so 16 and 1 plus 11 and 1, so 27 and 2 in her first 29 singles, uh, completed singles matches as a college player. Uh, that's outstanding. That's as good as it gets, folks. And again, if you're a UCLA team, doesn't matter who you're playing, UNC, uh, Texas, Stanford, Georgia, anyone, you feel good about your top three in Bolton, Forbes, and Hart. And Bolton, by the way, uh, she is 7-1 and one on the year. The team's 8-5 and five at the number three singles position, but Bolton hasn't played. You know, they're 16-3 and three overall. She's 7-1 and one overall. She's played, a, I think, like 9 or 10 of their 19 total matches. When she's in the lineup, it's a different story. That 8-5 and five record at three is deceiving, of course. The record in the bottom of the lineups is not deceiving. This is a team that, as good as they are at the top, they've got outstanding depth at the bottom of their singles lineup as well. They're 15-3. and three at the number six position. The most wins come for Annette Gulak, who is six and one. You've got four and one Taylor Johnson, three and one Vanessa Ong, one and oh Sasha Vagramov, who's also played at the number five position where she's three and one, and the team is 10 and three overall, and that's their you know fourth best flight, but they're winning over 75% of their matches at the number five singles position, and again, it's been a combination of Vagramov and Gulak at that number five position. Really just depends on if 
if Bolton's in the lineup or not. When Bolton's in the lineup, it moves Vivian Wolf down to the number four position. And you could say number four singles is really the only single slide where UCLA feels vulnerable. Wolf, who was a standout during her time at Georgia before transferring this season to UCLA, she's six and four at the number four position, seven and six overall in singles. It's good, not great. Again, if 10 and 6 is your worst flight, or I suppose 8 and 5 at 3 is technically the worst flight, but again, when they have Bolton, number 3 isn't just a should be win, it's a lock for them. They go into every match thinking, all right, our first point comes at three singles. Where are our other three flights coming from? Because again, whether it's Bolton, Forbes or Hart, even against Cam Mora of UNC, even against whichever stud for Texas is playing three singles, you still like whichever UCLA player probably is playing in that position. But the good news is, despite all of that singles prowess, despite all of that strength at the top of the lineup, perhaps the Bruins are best in doubles, where you look across the board for them. They're 16 and three at the number two position. 14 and two is the team of Gulick and Wolf. And I think the best thing if you're a UCLA Bruin fan, that team might be playing three doubles come the NCAA tournament because the lack of Alicia Bolton, who will be certainly playing in the doubles lineup, that's allowed coach Sampras Weber to mix things up. And, you know, she's found some success. Instead of Bolton, it's been Forbes and Hart at the number one position. They're seven and one. And, you know, Bolton and Hart were, if not the best team in the nation, one of the three best teams in the nation. So that Forbes and Hart have slid into that number one position like a hand in a glove. That's great news for Bruins fans. And then, you know, fine. You want to play Forbes and Hart at one. They're seven and one. You want to play 14 and two Gulak and Wolf at two. They're 14 and two. You then get to throw Alicia Bolton at the number three position. I don't care if it's with Vagramov. I don't care if it's with Johnson. I don't care if it's with Altic. Obviously, they're going to need reps to find the rhythm. But having Bolton at three doubles is like having Kovacevic when you're Illinois at the number three doubles position. It's the luxury of luxury. This is why this team's a national championship potential team, because they can legitimately find four points against any team they play. Do I like their depth as much as UNC or Texas or, you know, again, they've played Pepperdine back and forth. And I think that's, you know, the tier they hang out with. I don't think they're quite, you know, they're super tiers. UCLA, Pepperdine, UNC, and uh and Texas under normal circumstances would be prohibitive national championship favorites. Now, uh, because all of them exist within the same season, I think you've seen Texas and UNC flex their muscles. UNC's yet to lose. Texas has lost once, and, you know, they had— they were up so big on UNC in their one loss in the national indoor final, but UCLA is right there with them. And, you know, they can lose matches at four, five, and six. And when you're playing the best of the best, anyone can win in the top three. So when your strength is your top three, that's always, you know, you prefer your strength to be your depth, not the top of the lineup, uh, because every good team has a strong top. It's the depth that separates the best from the best of the best. Um, but, you know, this UCLA team's got a lot of answers. They're starting to play their best tennis, and, you know, they still have some really good matchups ahead of them. They're probably going to get another look at either USC or Cal after this match in the conference tournament. And then they're definitely, prob- you know, not probably, but definitely, definitely, probably. Hey, great shot. They're definitely going to get another look at a Stanford team as well come the Pac 12 tournament. So UCLA 16 and 3 hitting their stride. That's the story for the number eight ranked Bruins. 
wins, and in case you're curious for them individually, Abby Forbes, number seven in the country, Alicia Bolton, number 124. Those are their only ranked players in the latest edition of the computer individual rate, uh, rankings. Bolton and Hart right now, number 85 in the country. All of that intro is to say they're prohibitive favorites entering tomorrow's match against USC. Now, USC's been down a couple of players since the start of the season. They haven't had uh, their best player by, uh, I should say, I, I believe it's their best player by I, uh, by ITA, excuse me, by UTR uh, ranking has been out throughout the entirety of the season. Of course, I am referring uh, to those of you who don't know, and I believe she may just be out now in general. General, uh, is uh, their number one player by UTR Jung Shui Han, who, again, has not played at all this season. Instead, they've been led at the number one position by Selma Ewing, who's put together a really nice year for the Trojans at that number one spot. You look for Ewing last weekend. She got a big win over number 41 player in the country, Haley Giovara. She also, uh, I believe, got a win in their match against Stanford. I believe she was the only player to earn a win against that Stanford team. And in fact, it was Ewing 10-3 in the third over Michaela Gordon. So it was a third set breaker, but still, that's a damn good win over the All-American in Gordon. Uh, But you look for this USC team. Now, the problem for them against the UCLA Bruins, the top of the Trojans lineup is their biggest strength. And it's just not quite as strong as the UCLA Bruins. Now, Ewing's been great this season. Again, she's 4-0 at the number one position. They're eight and seven overall, but Ewing's 13 and three in the dual matches she's played. And of course, if you're a USC fan, the exciting thing for Selma Ewing, only a junior here this season, Uh, but you look for them uh, again across uh, their lineup and I did mention, I already said they've been without their number one player, Han, uh, or not number one, number one by UTR. She just hasn't been playing here uh, this season. But Aaron Cayetano has been good for them at the number two position. You look for Cayetano overall on the year. She's nine and five, but she's been number 52 at, or she's number 52, excuse me. She's five and two at the number two singles position. She's ranked number 123 overall in the singles rankings. Excuse me. But, uh, you know, again, that's where their best uh, numbers are for Ewing 4-0 at that one position as a team. They're 14-4 and at the number two position. Pretty good at 3-4 and as well, 11-6. and Ewing started the season there. She's worked her way up. But, you know, it's been uh, Cayetano. It's been Naomi Chung, uh, who's 2-2 two and two overall at the three singles position, but 9-7 and seven on the season and ranked number 69 in the country. You know, Danielle Wilson's been a rock for them at four. She's 10-5 and five overall. The team 13 and 6. Now they're 11 and 7 and 5. They're 6 and 10 at the number 6 singles position. That's where their injuries they've suffered this season have really manifested themselves. You look for them in doubles, good, not great. 10 and 9 at number 1 position, 11 and 5 at number 2, 11 and 7 at number 3. You look for this Trojan team. That makes sense given those numbers that they're 11 and 8 overall. They're, you know, against a lot of teams, they're going to get wins at the top of their lineup. The thing is, you can get to 2 points, you can even get to 3 points, but can you find that 4th point? That's the question in college tennis. That's been the struggle for them. You look uh, for them this season, you know, 4-2 and 4-3 losses to Pepperdine. 
Carolina, a 4-3 loss to Washington State, a 5-2 loss to Oregon, the first in program history. They also lost another 4-1 match to Pepperdine, a 4-3 loss last weekend to Cal. And in that matchup against Cal, they you know they drop the doubles point, but they sweep the top two singles position. Wilson delivers the good at number four. The problem is, again, finding that fourth point for them has been a problem. They've played a ton of good teams close. And again, you look across the board in singles for them overall on the season, only two, uh, only, well, one player who's played more than three matches uh, has a losing record. It's Claire McKee, who's doing her best to fill in at that number six singles position. But outside of that, you know, they they're competitive in each and every flight they played in. You know they've already played UCLA this season, and in that first match you had Bolton and Chung at the number two singles position going three sets. Now UCLA had already clinched the match, but you know it was Bolton ten eight in the third. There Selma Ewing got a win. Not going to surprise anyone. She seems to be beating everyone this season over Jada Hart ten six in a third set breaker. But everywhere else it was the Bruins in straight sets, and the Bruins actually. Uh, earned the doubles point as well as Bolton and Hart, Gulick and Wolf earning d- uh, number one and two doubles flights. As I talked about with UCLA, that's their strength. That's the recipe for them tomorrow, right? Take the number one and two doubles position, and then you know you can feel good that you can find three singles wins anywhere in your lineup, even if Ewing gets a victory over Forbes, even if Cayetano or Chong plays a good match and can steal one of the other top two positions. That's the UCLA luxury is tomorrow you look by the the UTR comparisons, they're significant favorites at the number five and six singles positions. If the lineups are played as they've been played this season, Sasha Vagramov would be a .55 UTR favorite over Summer Dvorak, and Annette Gulick would be a 1.34 uh, favorite. Oh, excuse me, it's a little bit less than that. It would be a .78 favorite over Claire McKee, but .55, .78, those are significant gaps for the the Trojans and so you know again even if they were to steal two of the top three which is so hard to do against UCLA you probably feel pretty good everywhere else you know in the four five six singles position in doubles if you're UCLA so if you're the Trojans you know again it's stealing one it's pulling an upset it doesn't help that this matchup is in uh, or on the UCLA courts as well right it's a home match for the Bruins and you know it's their final home match I believe of this 2021 season and so you know senior your day for Jada Hart and just that, you know, all the UCLA seniors as well. You bring out the emotions there. Uh, I would not bet on any team to beat the Bruins at home on senior day. That's the sort of talent they have on their roster. I expect the Bruins to flex their muscles, earn the victory 4-0 at the clinch. Now, I do think the Trojans are going to steal at least two sets in singles, and it's not going to surprise me at all to see this match go you know, 5-2 or maybe even 4-3 because it is still a rivalry match, and things get tight, and it's a lot easier to think you're going to close out a match than it is to actually close out the match. But we're we're expecting. I'm expecting the Bruins uh, to uh, eventually, you know, just advance and uh, head into postseason play with momentum on their side. But we at Cracked Rackets, that's why I said it, are expecting a fun match. So hopefully, all of you will join us on the broadcast again. It's a 4:30 p.m. Eastern time start. The broadcast will start at 4:15. Thrilled to be joined by former UCLA Bruin tennis media superstar Nina Pantic on the call as well. So hopefully, all of you 
again, will join us tomorrow, or I suppose today, when you are listening to this podcast. But with that in mind, I want to remind all of you listeners, if you want to hear more about the actioning that is happening across the actioning, the action, excuse me, I'm losing the thread here, so i got to wrap the pod. If you want to hear more about the action that is happening across the tennis world, be sure to check out our website, CrackRackets.com. If you want to hear about the day-in, day-out results, check out our mini-break podcast. You want to hear more uh, from some of these players from across the college tennis world. We talked to Pepperdine women's head coach, Per Nilsson, earlier this week. Last week, we talked to a bunch of the players on the Illinois men's tennis team. And of course, we've had the opportunity to speak with so many of the players and coaches from throughout the college tennis world. So to catch up on all of that, check out our Cracked Interviews podcast. A shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Flickner and Daniel Westoff, who have a been at any job to do and who make all of the podcasts we do here at Cracked Rackets possible. A shout out as well to our Patreon family. Again, if you're interested in hearing these Match of the Day segments every Monday and Friday, please join our Patreon family. You can find it on our website, CrackedRackets.com, the link of how to join up. Uh, but with that in mind, oh, I should also give a shout out one last time to our friends at Turner Grip, the lifeblood of this podcast to join the Turner family. Contact sales at UniqueSports.com or call 800-554-3707. But with that in mind, for our wonderful super producers, Fliegner and Westoff, our friends at Turner Grip, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. Hey, great shot, and we'll see you all next time. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.